Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, lax rats alike, welcome back to another episode of The Crease Dive. Today is Monday, May 24th, and we just wrapped up one of the most chaotic quarterfinal rounds that we can remember in NCAA lacrosse history. I'm Jordy from Barstool, and with me, as always, we've got Jake on the mics. We're also joined by Dukes, who, uh, well, Dukes has... We all have some takes to walk back, but Dukes might have the most. But uh, Jake, starting off with you, an unbelievable quarterfinal round. Four games on the weekend, three of them going to OT. How are you feeling after that whirlwind of a 48 hours? I mean, it, it's quite a, quite a wild one, right? Quite a wild weekend. Um, you know, admittedly, uh, I, I was only able to catch the, the, the back half of the 12 o'clock games. Um, oh, you and know what? Actually, let's, of... let's let's talk about a little bit of that real quick because there yeah. was a. Uh, but before we get to Dukes, we'll, we'll get to you in, in just a little bit. But uh, Jay, you you had quite the uh, you had an eventful weekend yourself off the field. Uh, so you were supposed to actually miss the majority of the weekend, but uh, it turns out you were able to, to catch a little bit more. And, and why were you able to see a little bit more of the weekend than you were originally <laughs> planning? So last year when I chose to defer my half Ironman race, I must have, this is the only way I can figure it. I must have, I must have fat fingered the selection and I deferred it to the wrong race. So I wasn't even registered to race this weekend. And I had this funky feeling that I should check the participant list about 30 minutes into my drive on Friday. Turns out I wasn't on it. So good on me for and, and the reason, and the, the reason I know that I fat fingered it or fucked up is because I moved, I, I registered for a race that's my wedding weekend, and I never would have done that. So, pretty tight. Uh, was feeling super good about that, um, but <laughs> then I was, uh, I, I so yeah, I took a little break this weekend to like reset my mind, going outside, punch some air, and then uh, got my mind back right and right into seeing how my first take didn't necessarily work out, which my take still came true with the Virginia Georgetown, because I said, just right, getting right into it. First game. I said that if Georgetown got a good lead, right, got out in front, Virginia, they had, they would have a chance against Virginia and they didn't, right. They didn't get a lead out front. So everyone who was like, ha 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 ha, I picked UVA. Georgetown had no chance. Please fuck off because my take was not, outlandish right you're acting like i said that georgetown was going to run the table um but just an absolute domineering performance by connor schellenberger you know i mean yeah, just we'll, what a sad we'll, score we'll, we'll, we'll get to that we'll get to that in a bit bad. but I, I i do feel like the like <sighs> the entire weekend was all hinged upon you having your race in chattanooga and the moment that that race didn't happen that set off a chain of events that led to this wild to this it wild did. weekend. So, so Dukes, a, a lot of what went wrong this weekend for you personally is you can blame Jake for all of it because it's That's all because he didn't have his race in Chattanooga. Uh, but so how, how are you feeling Dukes after this weekend? Uh, unfortunately, your, your Notre Dame fighting Irish, uh, they, they go down, but as a lacrosse fan though, there's, there's not a, a, a single way that you could be upset about the way this weekend went down. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's always a win-win situation. I mean, I predicted, blow, I predicted a blowout in UNC Rutgers. Wrong about that. 
and I predicted a blowout, or not a blowout, but I predicted a five-goal game in the Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame, uh, who did they play? Came Maryland. Maryland. Yeah, Maryland game. And Long day for Dukes yeah, in the office. Yeah. Disrespect. I've been thinking about it all day. <laughs> yeah, I just disrespected the Big Ten way too much. And at the very worst, it's like, all right, I'm wrong, and we get a great lacrosse game. We got three great lacrosse games this weekend. I was, like, nervous at first in Virginia – during the Virginia Georgetown game, I was like, is this going to be the blowout game of the weekend? And I was like, did I predict the wrong games that were going to be blowouts? But I mean, wonderful weekend of lacrosse. Couldn't ask for anything better. Um, physically, I'm here. Uh, I'm, I'm kicking it, but my ego took a really big hit this weekend. My ego is at like an all time, all time low. Um, speechless, to be honest. I mean, we did we, I don't. Jordy, did we not do a good enough job warning him? Because both of us basically just gasped for breath when he said Notre Dame by five. Here's, here's the thing, though. I, I feel like, you know, when, when you're in this biz, when you're the man in the arena just letting takes fly off the hip left and right, like you're, you're going to get got on some of your takes. And I feel like, you know, us, the three of us, we're, we're wrong pretty frequently. Um, I think everyone got this weekend wrong though. I don't, I don't think that there's anyone out there in, in the media world who uh, predicted this weekend to go the way that it did. But I, I feel like when we put those outlandish takes out there uh, like Dukes had, where it made the both of us audibly gasp, I think that that's one where, you know, Dukes kind of took one for the team. He, he went mm-hmm. out on a limb, let that take fly. Uh, the both of us knew that it was a wild take that would not really Come true. Although it, it came close at points, but you kind of you sacrifice your own take for the betterment of the lacrosse world, and the lacrosse world got a couple unbelievable games just because you said, you know what, I'm going to have a crazy take. I'm going to end up looking like a fool, but everyone's going to enjoy it. So, Dukes, mighty big of you. Um, but yeah, let let's go. We'll just go chronological order. Makes makes the most sense. We don't want to, uh, you know, we're recording this one late, so all of our brains are a bit mush. So we don't want to uh, add any additional confusion. So we'll just go right in order with, unfortunately, the only letdown game of the weekend. Um, although I, I don't really even, like, as much as Virginia-Georgetown was, it was one of those games where, like, you could – put it on the small screen. Uh, if you had any errands to run or anything, like you could go outside, kind of do some, whatever you needed to do. And you weren't really going to miss much because Virginia had their foot on Georgetown's throat uh, and they just kept them down there the entire time. Uh, but just watching this Virginia team evolve from what they were against Bryant last week um, into like a team that is like, holy shit. Yeah. I kind of forgot how loaded this team was when they won the championship in 2019. And now not only do they have so many of those key players from 2019 still on this roster, but Oh yeah, here's Connor Schellenberger who was the number one recruit in his class coming in and he's going to pop off for a casual six and one in a NCAA quarterfinal game. Um, So this Virginia team, it, it, they, they've been the same way all season long where it's like, like we know who they are. We know who they have and we know what they can be, but they just like, haven't given it to us in like a, a really in, in a way that we're like, Oh yeah. Like this is Virginia and they are the ass kickers United. This was that performance that we've been waiting for out of Virginia. Um, so what, what did you guys see out of the who's and uh, you know, where were you guys, 
disappointed in, in Georgetown, or do you think that they might have just been playing kind of above their level for the past, uh, you know, little while? I mean, you look at you look at what Virginia has to offer. You know, uh, Cole Sostig, Kyle Kologi, Jared Connors. You know, that's three of the the biggest, lankiest. Uh, you know, poles on the field. I mean, they they held Jake Carraway to 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 one point. Um, I think that Virginia played really well. Looking back through some, I, I I wasn't able to watch the game, but looking back through, I watched the first half on a replay. Um, but just kind of looking at how they played with some of their two man games, you know, I just, I think that Georgetown was just overmatched. You know, I, I don't think that, um, I, I, and you have a guy like Connor Schellenberger, you know, having a day, uh, and you, you can't stop him. There was, there was really not much of a defensive adjustment to stop him. And I mean, you can get down to the nitty gritty of it, you know, the nitty gritty of it, but you know, uh, maybe Georgetown wasn't, you know, prepared for what you know uh may uva looked like uh i don't know i think that you know pulling up the game i remember kind of like the fuck you know like it it was turned out to be a blowout but that's kind of i don't know i I think that georgetown was you know they, they were actually favored going into the game right so you know i'm surprised but i'm also not surprised at the same time i mean looking at the face offs too you know pd lasala went 80%. 80%. So, um, I mean, it was kind of like a, a make it, take it 15 for 19, nine ground balls. That's a, that's quite the performance. So, I mean, I don't know, dudes, I, I think that you're probably of the same kind of mindset. Uh, it just, just didn't, you know, nothing dropped for Georgetown. It just didn't go the way that they wanted it to go. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, first face off of the game, James Riley, Georgetown stud, got injured like right off the bat. Yeah. So you knew coming in like that's that's like that's that's your heart and soul in a way. McElroy the goalie, Riley and then Caraway on offense. So UVA just looked like they they were just ready to go from the get go. Um I know I saw Jordy you're tweeting about Laviano. I I I've been hearing about Laviano playing for like the Tenacious Turtles here on Long Island since he was in like sixth grade. The way that like the way that broadcasters talk about him though on TV that like he he's like some just like role player like Joe Schmo growing up like he was like a top five top three recruit coming to UVA and the way that he's been able to evolve his role throughout the years has been so impressive. I like I like watching like out of everything UVA does, and this has been like their 2019 championship run. Their attack, what their attack does on the ride is so fun to watch, and I think that he brings that like intensity that energy every single game. And he kind of, kind of like how Pat Cavanaugh is for uh, Notre Dame when he scores a goal, pumps up the sideline. Anytime that Ian Laviano is on the ride, he gets his boys going. He always, uh, he always like points out like which teammate made the uh, good move. Like Jared Connors came down, set up a goal, Laviano scored and Laviano pointed to him and said, that's your goal. Like you're the man that like deserves the credit for that. So I don't know. That was my, just my big takeaway. It was kind of just a blowout. Yeah, I, I said in my tweet that like Laviano is like the biggest like like this guy gets it player in in the like the the guy who 
you know, he, he's going to put up some numbers. He's going to get his, like he's going to score some big time goals, but the, the stuff that he does that, you know, if, if you're just looking at the box score, doesn't make it in there. And like, yeah, like that's cliche, like a, like a coach thing, like, yeah, he does all the little things that you're not going to read about in the paper, but he really, and like a guy who, who understands that, you know, over the course of, you know, a, a 60 minute game, like it's all those, like, those little plays that add up that really make the difference. And like Laviano, he makes so many of them. Um, like there was one play like specifically last week in that win against Bryant where like he was on the ride and he like dove out to go make a, you know, make, make a stop on the ride. And I, I guess it was like raining at wherever they were playing. So he like kind of like slid like an extra couple yards, like almost went, offsides which would have been like a tough penalty for them to take especially in the tight game and he was able to like keep himself on side like just like little shit like that makes like Ian Laviano such a huge piece of this Virginia team who's now going back to the final four to defend their crown um and then like little plays going wrong like Georgetown like there, there are a few moments in this game where it's just like you know the you, you kind of go with the the old cliche of everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth and like Georgetown got punched in the mouth and it just seemed like their plan went out the window. Um, you know, they were making a couple just like careless mistakes. Like, you know, there, there was one in particular where like, listen, Jay Carraway, unbelievable talent, unbelievable college lacrosse career deserves to be a towards and finalist. So I'm not saying like Jay Carraway had a bad game, but like there was one moment in particular where like Georgetown was on the man up and, like it, it was in like the last like few seconds of a man up, but they still had possess. But like it's it's one of those ones where like you can tell like the moment was huge, the man up was dying down. So instead of like just keeping possession, he decided to just like get like a a, a questionable shot off. Turns out to be a turnover. It goes the other way. Virginia scores. So it's just little shit like that that like is the difference between a championship team. Um, so Virginia proved that they. Uh, for sure deserve a spot to defend their throne uh, at championship weekend coming up Memorial day weekend in East Hartford. Uh, the second game of that day, the UNC Tar Heels got absolutely everything that they could handle out of Rutgers. Um, this is one where I would, as, as a, as a noted Rutgers hater, this was this was probably the most stressed that I was on the weekend, um, seeing the Scarlet Knights just one goal away from making it to the Final Four. A uh, couple unsung hero, well, not unsung heroes because they got their credit like in this game, but maybe just um, you know guys who kind of came out of out of nowhere for this one. Lance Tillman for UNC, Ross Scott for Rutgers. A uh, couple just nasty, nasty goals from Adam Sherlin Beatties, but eventually UNC got this one done in overtime. Um, so you know, Jake, this this UNC team, the one seed in the tournament. They looked great against uh, Monmouth, but you know it's it's again no offense to Monmouth. You guys made the tournament, good for you guys. But like you were gonna get steamrolled by UNC um, going up against Rutgers, going up against a, a Big Ten opponent like that. Do you think that this was a uh, you know kind of a, a little chip in the armor for for UNC where you know starting to see a little bit of cracks, or do you think that this is the kind of test that they needed heading into the Final Four? I think to me, it was more, to me, it was more Rutgers was very prepared for what UNC had to offer. You know, you get in, there's kind of a mindset thing where that happens where 
as a defenseman, you make a couple good plays in the beginning of the game and it sets you up for the rest of the game, right? You know, you, you get a couple good checks on some hands, you get them, you get some guys turned around. Um, your boys do the same thing, you know, and you, you guys are start, you got, you guys start vibing, you play with some confidence, you lose, your shoulders are loose and it kind of carries through the whole game, right? And you guys are making plays. And I think that's kind of what happened is they started, you know, the defense was on Rutgers defense was really vibing. Um, obviously, uh, and it, I mean, and that vibe was kept alive by cursed and goal because just the, the, the goalie performances in that game were unreal. Um, it was one of the best games uh, of the year, if not the best game of the year, absolute nail biter. Um, I just, the, the key point to me in that game, and, and this is, this is why I have Chris Gray at the top of my Tawarton list is, you know, the championship play he made at the end of the game, you know, going over the midline and making those two cause turnovers to get the ball, uh, to get the ball back for UNC. So they, so they could, you know, win the game. That was to me more telling of how complete Chris Gray is than anything else. Um, I mean, you know, your other highlights of the game, Adam Cherlambidi's absolute stroke, every fucking shot he, every, every, every shot he takes is a highlight real goal. And, you know, I, I imagine he'll play indoor or he'll, I mean, did he get drafted in the PLL? I'm not, I'm not, no. Not not in the PLL. I, I he's got a he'll play he'll play NLL or something. He's he's a he's a valuable player out there. Good mind, um, but I mean you know, Dukes, your tweet is your tweet is actually in the inside the cross article, the championship play, the clip of Gray. Oh no! So okay. yeah, big big ups to you. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> but guy. I mean that, it, yeah, that's tight. So look at content guy. So that that was to me that that was. I mean, you look at the stats and stuff, you know, they, they, you know, they 19 for 21 on clear, you know, 19 for 22 on clears and 20 for 22 on clears for North Carolina, you know, Rutgers being the first stat. I mean, those are pretty solid numbers. So like, I mean, just, just a phenomenal game. I don't know what we could, what we could ask for. That, that was, I think, I think that might've been my favorite game of the weekend. Um, what you're saying about Rutgers defense, I totally agree with. They looked so prepared the entire year too. I think that I never questioned Rutgers on offense on like on this on that side of the ball uh, on that side of the field. Cursed, amazing. Charlie Mead is amazing. Mullins, but Russo, uh, eighty-eight Rutgers, the defender, thought he played amazing. Um, I thought that the UNC offense would be able to shell them, but like the way that they kept responding and they played four full quarters and one in uh, overtime, but. Really impressed with the uh, Rutgers defense. And then Cursed, I felt so bad for him at the end of the game. Did you guys see him when he, like, clutched over and he was sitting down? Because, like, when you're a hot goalie like that and you're carrying your team, like, yep. for the entire game, like the way he was, and to lose in overtime, I, I just felt crushed for him. Because that would have been a really cool story with uh, him and his brother going to Rutgers for the fifth year, making the tournament for the first time. Like, his dad, their, uh, their dad played for Rutgers, so, like, I thought that was that would have been, been, been an amazing, amazing story. But UNC had different plans, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited for that UVA UNC game. Yeah. Uh, so that that was the first overtime game of the weekend. Obviously, we had two more on Sunday. Um, let let I just want to see. So I 
let, let, let's just get a question in here and, and right off the, the top of the head, because, you know, this isn't something that we really talked about before heading in here. But I want to know, what, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, overtime timeouts? Is a, uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a hot subject, at least on lacrosse Twitter. Um, and I feel like if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably on Twitter a little bit. Uh, but so, you know, for all, all, the, all, all the people out there on Twitter – who, you know, they all, every single time that a college lacrosse game goes to overtime, every single game, a coach is going to call a timeout after that first faceoff, and everyone rushes to be like, thank God the PLL took timeouts out of overtime. All right, thank God there are no timeouts in pro lacrosse overtime. Um, it's, it's, it gets the people going. And uh, so in this game in UNC, I believe – oh, wait, no, well, it, it came down that uh, Rutgers probably should have called a timeout uh, in, in this overtime. And then Chris Gray was able to ride his ass off to get that ball back for UNC. Uh, UNC did start off the, the overtime with the timeout. They weren't able to score off of that one. But uh, where, where do you guys land on OTTOs? Dukes, t- take it away. Bro. Yeah, Dukes, go first. I so uh, I never really thought about it before this weekend. I'm I'm team just like whatever whatever the coach wants to think, whatever. But I'm team timeout because I think it, I think it was the UNC game. Like at Hofstra, you felt the crowd was into it. Like you know you could you juiced up for overtime after just like tying it up with like the number one team in the country. And then once you call the timeout, it kind of like sucks the energy out of the building. And when you're like, so if I was Actually, I'm going to switch it. If I'm the favorite, like if I'm UNC in that situation, I call the timeout, take the energy out, draw up a play, go, go for the win. But if I'm Rutgers, I'm riding with that energy. So I, I think it really just depends like on the scenario. Um, we saw it pay off for uh, like in the Maryland game, like Maryland didn't call the timeout. I think they had to ride that energy because they had a, a good fourth quarter comeback. And uh, what was the other game? Were they called Duke and then Duke called the timeout. So I don't know. I think that if you're if you're the favorite, you should probably call a timeout, settle things down, get the other team to like make it feel like it's not overtime. But uh, I don't know. What do you guys think? I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if you think about it, it, it should be counterintuitive, right? Taking a timeout should give your def- should give the defense more time to prepare, get an extra squirt of water what have you. Right. So, but that's not always the case, right. It usually seems like whoever wins the first face off, right. Is going to be the one, you know, and I'm sure that our friend Joe Keeks, a uh, good friend of the pod could probably figure that out. You know, what percentage of, you know, however many playoff face off playoff games have come down to who won the first face off, right. How, how many does that W match up with? So I don't really care um, because they have possession anyway. You know, so if you're going to, to me, there's hardly any difference for a 30 second timeout and, you know, the coach telling them to set up in a, you know, a one, four or something like that. And just kind of drawing up a play from there. Um, it's an, it's an, it's annoying as a viewer maybe, but like I, I can understand the thought process because if you're confident in your defense, a timeout shouldn't matter. Right. Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any particular feelings either way. I could see why somebody might be annoyed by it and just want them to, you know, to encourage like the, the chaos that is overtime. And I could see why some people might be annoyed because they, you know, 
they, they think it slows down the game or whatnot, but I don't know. Yeah. Now, I, 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 would, I, I don't know. I would be annoyed. Like as soon as lacrosse starts getting a little bit bigger and they like, I don't know if they'll ever get to a point where it like the broadcasts are worth and NFL money, but like if this was like the NFL and they like it, it would kind of be like the uh, the kickoff commercial break or touchdown commercial break kickoff commercial break. So like if there was a commercial break, then overtime, and then they win a faceoff, call a timeout, then uh, it goes to commercial again. Then like yeah, I'd I'd be annoyed as a viewer, but right now I'm I kind of line right in with Dukes where it's like yeah like like let the coach kind of make that decision for himself. Um, you know, we saw, I, I, so I think every timeout that was called in the overtimes this weekend, no one scored on that like ensuing possession. So UNC called their timeout. They didn't score uh, in that Duke Loyola game. I think that they both were able to call a timeout. Neither of them scored off of that one. Uh, and then yeah, Maryland. So John Tillman kind of knowing like, Hey, like we've got the momentum plus Notre Dame looks gassed right now. Let's not let them get any more of a break. Like, let's just let this one ride. And then they were able to score off of no timeout. But I I think it like using the coach's discretion in college is awesome in a way that like, you don't really need to do that in the pros just because all those guys are basically coaches anyway. Um, But yeah, if, if you're someone who like, as soon as a game in college goes to overtime and there's a timeout called and you immediately have to bring up the fact that there are no timeouts in PLL overtime, just knock it off. We all know that already. Um, But yeah, so speaking of more overtimes, then we get to Sunday, and both of these games today, so we're obviously recording on Sunday night, both of these games, absolute gong shows, ab- like just an unbelievable span. of it, it, it can't be understated just how crazy today was. Uh, so Duke, Loyola, this Loyola team, holy shit. Thank God they made the tournament because I – the, this whole season, I didn't know that Loyola had this in them. Um, I don't know how many people knew that Loyola had this in them, but they fucking fight and they go. And I mean, Kevin Lindley, dog, Aiden Olmstead, dog, uh, Evan James coming out of here. I, probably a name that I didn't really know much of before, but he had four and one in this game. So um, Loyola, just a just an unbelievable performance, fighting until the very bitter end. Sam Schaefer in the net. Uh, just as big of a stud as he was against Denver. But eventually, the cream rises to the top. Uh, Turns out that Duke has the biggest assassin, maybe in college across history. I I would say the most clutch player in college across history. That is now four overtime, huge overtime winners for Joey Ballgame, Joe Robertson. He had the the quarterfinal game winner in 2019 against Notre Dame. Uh, He had those two on Thursday night lacks against uh, UNC and Virginia. And then he does the damn thing again against Loyola. So, uh, Dukes, Joe Robertson, most clutch player of all time, yes or yes? Definitely, maybe. De- definitely, maybe. Uh, he, it's it just getting to the point where, you, you know, you, your coach writes up a scouting report and, you know, it's, you draw up these scenarios. When, when, the ga- when the game's in the fourth quarter, game's in overtime, who does Duke want to get the ball to? And it's Joe Robertson. 
I, 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 did you see, did you see, I like slowed down the goal. I, I think Schaefer probably wants that one back. I, it took like a weird little dribble and just like, you know, he, he had a curse like game where you rode ro- the momentum was like on a heater. It was the only reason that really Loyola was in the game. Well, not the only reason, but just to, just to let in that final goal, goal get in, going like that after the game he had the past two weeks, my, my heart went out to him. But uh, Loyola's got dogs, dogs. Uh, McNulty, the uh, LSM, I don't know how he's not in the PLL. He's a stud. Um, I, love, I love watching him play. Um, but thank, thank God that the committee got it right and they put Loyola in the tournament. Um, I think this just goes out to show that we need to expand the tournament because who knows if, if an Army, um, you know, a Delaware, what, what they could have done in the tournament. So I'm just happy that we got to get uh, Loyola in the tournament. Yeah, I think that the, the, if you look at, you know, the last few games, maybe we didn't give them enough credit. You know, they, they took a couple a couple quick L's at the beginning of the year to Virginia and Lehigh and Towson. And, I mean, towards the end of the year, they beat, you know, in succession, Georgetown, Navy, Army, and Denver. You know, so they clearly a team that compete that can compete. And I mean, they showed up, you know, they, that's that, plain and simple. Loyola showed up and to play and, and they gave Duke everything but the kitchen sink. Um, Duke, you know, just Duke's why <laughs> when 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 you got, you know, when you're tied up less than five minutes left in the in the fourth, like that's when I think you know, Duke kind of thrives too, you know, this Duke's, Duke's like, you know, they're, they're, they're ready for it, you know, rubbing their feet over in their hands together, like Birdman, um, Joe Rob, absolute assassin. I, I can't, it's just, it takes a special player to be the one that everyone looks at when there's, you know, seconds left in the game or an overtime opportunity and you know you're the guy right like you're shouldering all of that responsibility and i think for joe rob to do that um i think that's that's bigger than the game right that's a that's a character thing uh but you know it's it i don't i don't even have any like a funny take you know about that at all he's just he's just an absolute freak and definitely i'm sure he's like the guy that everyone's like yeah we want him on our team. So, I mean, stay, phenomenal game, you know. Yeah, I mean, just to be able to do that just time and time again, and, like, all of them, it, all, all the ones that he's had, like, the big-time overtime goals that he – so, like, you go back to that quarterfinals in 2019 against Notre Dame, uh, pretty, pretty sure – actually, no – Looking back on it right now in my head, I think he, he might have even gone lefty on that one. But it was, like a, a, again, like lefty coming up from X, up the hash, and just like like a weak little, like, bouncer. The UNC one, he got, like uh, – he was matched up against the short stick, got to GLE, kind of came in and just, like, dove across the crease, put it up top. Um, the Virginia one, I feel like, was, was a, again, like a little bit of, like, a dribbler like coming from X to his right, kind of put it between the legs of road. Um, and then this one where again, like Duke's like Duke said, like Sam Schaefer might want this one back, but that's just kind of what Joe Rob does in, or like he, he knows that no one is really going to give a shit if it's ugly or not. All that matters is that when that dog piles going on, like he's the one at the bottom of it. Um, so absolute assassin. 
and just crazy to be able to do it time and time and time again, to be able to deliver in those huge moments. Um, speaking of delivering in huge moments, Brennan O'Neill. I mean, good mm-hmm. fucking Lord. The fact that this kid is a freshman is appalling. Um, Even more appalling than that is that Andrew McAdory, the number one recruit in the country, is going to Duke next year. So you're going to have Brendan O'Neill and Andrew McAdory playing together. Have you seen McAdory's like, highlight yeah. reel? It's unreal. Those two together are going to be – I'm going to – my head's going to explode. Yeah, and, then you, and, and then you can put Dyson what, Williams what do we got? What do we got, attack. Dukes? What they were, do we got? They were, they were high school teammates together. They yeah. played some lacrosse together since they were in like fifth grade. Yeah. They, the, their, their chemistry is probably, I mean, their chemistry is off the charts. Um, I remember I, I, I used to watch them. I watched their St. Anthony Shaman like two years ago, three years ago. McAdory was like a sophomore. O'Neill was a uh, junior. And I think it was Liam Entman in cage, Pat Cavanaugh. Uh, but th- those games were unreal. I mean, that, that's basically what it's going to be like. Duke. Duke versus Notre yep. Dame is just going to be Shamanad versus St. Anthony's. But yeah, not book yeah, book that one. Book that one. Yeah, Paul Card's <laughs> going to have a field day with that. And just and just <laughs> play it at Hofstra every single just <laughs> on on repeat at Hofstra and just all the flids just yeah. going bonkers. Um, but I mean, just but Brennan O'Neill like delivering that game tying goal uh, as Duke got that uh, that late man up in the fourth quarter. So, I mean. We we all know about Brendan O'Neill. Like it's it's not like uh it's not like Brendan O'Neill was necessarily under the radar. Um, right. but the fact that again, like he delivers in these massive moments just shows that he is a man amongst boys. Um, and and the boys were absolutely buzzing. Uh, speaking of delivering, let me tell you a little something about this company I know called Pro Athletics, uh, because they will deliver to you. Some of the most comfortable, stylish, and I'll tell you what, pretty damn affordable athletic apparel that you could ever ask for. Pro Athletics, uh, run by a good friend of the program, Jerry Raganese. He might be a little bastard who is trying his hardest to keep the face off in the game, even though everyone knows that it should be banned at this point. But uh, Pro Athletics gear, it's, it's, it's just it's something that you know you, you throw in your body and you feel good. And when you feel good, you're going to play good. We all know the saying by now. So Pro Athletics, you can head over to their website, proathletics.com. You can put in the uh, promo code CREASEDIVE. That's going to get you 10% off. They're already highly affordable gear. Um, so shirts, shorts, you name it. They, they might even, I don't know, do they dabble in socks? Maybe they can kind of merge with adrenaline and, and just take those socks over. Uh, but Head on over to Pro Athletics and just stock up before Memorial Day weekend. I'm not entirely sure if you would get it before MDW, but I would put in your order right now uh, just in case you can because if you're heading to East Hartford, you're going to want to look good and you're going to look your best in Pro Athletics. And then that will bring us into the final game of the weekend. Uh, I know both of you guys already said that UNC Rutgers was, was your favorite from the weekend, but this one... Uh, th- this had to have been mine. The Terps taking on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Uh, obviously, the the biggest game that was circled heading into this weekend uh, with a, the three versus the six. You got Mar- or Maryland on the road 
as the favorite taking on Notre Dame at home. So a lot heading into this game. And I mean, this was about as, as up and down side to side back and forth as you could possibly get massive swings on both ends of the field. And eventually it was Anthony DeMeo delivering the dagger for the Terps who were heading back to championship weekend a weekend that they pretty much have themselves booked in every year since like 2012. So the Terps taking down the Irish and it only makes sense for us to start with Dukes on this one. Uh, because if, if we go back to Friday, May, what, what was that? 21st, maybe? I don't know. I'm bad with dates. Yeah. Uh, but if we go back to Friday's episode, our good pal Dukes coming out extra spicy. We're talking uh, like if a habanero and a ghost pepper fucked. Whatever pepper that would be was Dukes' take with Notre Dame by five. Um, first quarter goes down. I think it was 5-1 score in that first quarter. How, how are you feeling off the bat, Dukes? I, didn't, I wasn't bugging. I mean, I didn't want it to be 5-1. I would have taken like 3-1, 4-1, but I was never bugging. Notre Dame's been in that situation before. Uh, they always pop off in the second and third quarters, and then they usually fall apart, as we saw in the fourth. I just thought, that, thought they'd get over that a little bit. Um, well, wrapping this all around, uh, I don't know. Uh, I've been in shambles the entire day. Uh, I've been getting really mean tweets and DMs at me <laughs> from internet dweebs, Maryland fans. But, like, I didn't get one thank you. First, no, no one's commented on my bravery because I, I took a very brave stance. Everyone That's an extremely said, brave take. Everybody was saying, like, it's going to be a good, close, tight game. And I said, no. Like, someone's going to be right and someone's going to be wrong in every situation. So if it wasn't a close game, it was going to be a blowout. So I, I took that stance. Um, but my whole thought process of the game, what, why I thought it was going to be a five-goal game, right? I said McNaney sucks, and I left today saying McNaney still sucks. I think that the same thing concerns I have about Maryland, I still have. The thing that really impressed me about Maryland was how good their settled offense was. So, like, I think that they're six-on-six – I'd say after today, they have the best settled six-on-six offense. Their face-offs, still troubling. Their goaltending, troubling. McNaney was really good at clearing, though, like doing like the other things that are necessary for a goalie. Um, Maryland crushed on ground balls. But, I mean, I just think I gave him a like, bulletin board material. I mean, no Terp, no Terp fan has thanked me, um, you know, putting a chip on the Maryland, Maryland player's shoulders. Uh, not one thank you or anything, but I'm, I'm gutted for the Irish. Um, Kyle so, uh, I'm, just, I'm just glad that the internet dweebs have, have turned on you after, after taking the brunt of all of those dorks who were fired up about my uh, get the long poles out of the game take. You got eviscerated, bro. You did get eviscerated. It's, I, it, I, I just wanted to be in there like I, it's not that serious. I, I can, I can <laughs> guarantee you that 85% of the people in the Instagram comments who are yelling at me about my take about taking long poles out of the game, I can guarantee you 85% of them wear black socks. So I don't care about their opinions. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, um, they still have like the adrenaline socks from like 2009. Like, oh, yeah. I, I, have, I have to run back one of my takes. 
Um, and, and it wasn't really a take so much as like you guys, you can recall where I said that I wasn't convinced about Jared Bernhardt um, playing against uh, an ACC defense, right? And I get to run that take back because I was wrong. I am convinced. I think Jared Bernhardt is can absolutely play against an ACC defense as, as evidenced by today, probably the best ACC defense that's not UNC. So, you know, kudos, right? I think that, um, you know, we, we a little insider by the name of uh, Kyle Long uh, maybe informed JB1 of, of our takes and, and, and maybe he, he called them slander, but it wasn't really slander. I was just saying that I don't know how it's going to look. And he showed it. He showed us how it was going to look. So if if that was my fault, then you're welcome for the chip on your shoulder, JV one. But Maryland, you know, back to the semifinals, the most semifinal appearances I think I heard Anish say. So I mean, that's that's pretty consistent. I think you know, that kind of, I mean, that kind of helps your 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 recruiting and your your sense of a a nice like leaving behind a nice legacy. But uh, what a game though. I I just I've when they went up six, one, I was like, or five, one, I was like, Oh fuck. Like, this is, this is not, this is boring. I don't want to watch this. And then, you know, Notre Dame, they, they stayed vigilant. They put some balls in the back of the net and made it a game. So hats off to Notre Dame for playing as hard as they fucking could. But, you know, I mean, Liam and Liam Entman is a, is a beast. And and I'll tell you I, what, I, Dukes, I, I agree. Well, uh, Dukes, and to your credit, like, yeah, you you might have got the the Notre Dame by five thing wrong, but uh, you know I I remember in in the preview episode, uh, you you checked me a little bit on that I wasn't giving enough credit to the to the Notre Dame midfielders, um, specifically a, a a guy like Wheaton Jacoboyce and Jacoboyce, massive massive mm-hmm. game out of him, four goals on the day, and um, you know especially like towards the end there as. It was like pretty noticeable that Notre Dame was running out of gas. Like they're just not as deep as Maryland is. And and that's just like, just kind of the way that it is, but you know, so they're not as deep, so they don't get to be as fresh, but Wheaton Jacoboy's like, he didn't really lose a step at all uh, as that game kept going. So he's an absolute stud Um, that Eric Dobson kid is um, like, he's, he's kind of like a, it's like a bull in a China shot. Like he's kind of like, that he needs to be refined a little bit, but, 100%. but, but like, but how hard he goes, like he's a beast too. Um, and then, yeah, like that, that Pat Cav goal and that Pat Cav Selly, like massive, like just, just a, you know, you, you could take it. It was like shotgunning three bang energies in a row. Um, so Notre Dame is a team where, yeah, like that, that Notre Dame Duke, like, I, I feel like, um, you know, th- those are the two teams, looking ahead like if we're going to start doing uh way too early 2022 rankings even when there's a, a whole nother week left of this season um you know th- those are two programs that are going to stay exactly um at, at at the top of the list but uh but yeah jared bernhardt you want to talk about alphas in just every facet of life um you know he's he's quiet he uh he's reserved he he doesn't want to come on the podcast because he he doesn't like to talk to media and i and i get why he wouldn't want to come on this podcast because of all the slander that jake throws his way uh but Mm. he's quiet but he's he's a killer 
he's a lion um and and he pounces on these big moments and like out of all the towards and finalists in that were playing this weekend so all five of them were playing in the quarterfinals caraway had a rough go at it against virginia uh chris gray had a had a few huge assists and he obviously had that massive ride back in overtime um but there were moments where it it looked like you know maybe you know, Chris Gray kind of needs to be lifted up by some of his, by some of his teammates as that game was going on. Um, same with Sowers, you know, Sowers really needed O'Neal and uh, Joe Robertson to kind of seal that deal for him. Um, Pat Av had, had a, you know, that, that big goal and a couple of assists in this one, but like out of all the Tawarton finalists, Jared Bernhardt was the one who took this weekend by the balls and said like, fuck you, give me that trophy right now but actually I don't even care about the trophy because I just want another ring on my finger. Um, so Bernhardt beast, uh, great play by DeMeo at the end there. Great decision by Tillman to not call the timeout. Um, knew that his boys were playing fast, knew that his boys were playing good. Uh, can't believe that Maryland won that opening face off in overtime, but yeah, just an, an, an awesome game that went uh, just back and forth the, the whole time. Um, who, who, who just ooed? What, I, that was did you, guys, did you guys see that face-off? Because I had no idea. Because I saw someone in the comments also thought it. Kyle Gallagher. It, 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 looked, like Gall- it looked like Gallagher was ready to uh, – I'm, I'm trying to think if I'm thinking of – if as long as this was the face-off that's in my head and I'm not thinking about another one, did he just like kind of get up and look like he was going to just like kind of try to slash the ball out of – Yeah. Yeah, so that like kind of like like when you put like a pole on a face off exactly. and you're like, hey, like don't try to win the clamp, just like let him get the ball. And that, yeah, that it was a little weird. I I didn't quite get that. For Interesting strategy. Yeah, for how dominant he was too. I mean, the, also Maryland, because when it was when when Notre Dame went up three and you tweeted out Jordy, um, well, for the people at home, this is what Jordy tweeted at me after Maryland was up, five uh, one in the first quarter. He said. What, what, do you know what it said exactly? I, I, I said, I sure would hate to be Dukes right now. And then when Notre Dame was up three in the fourth quarter, he said, I would sure love to be Dukes right now. And at that point, I knew I was fucked. Um, and, then, and then Quint. Quint had to be like the a-hole of the, the day, just talking about how gassed Notre Dame was and you know, just shoving it down my throat. And I was like, oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, they scored three quick goals in three minutes. And – Shockey, to his credit, really was. I think I forget. Yeah, he, I think he won three straight faceoffs too. So like that—that's what made it a great game. Um, but what a weekend! Yeah, un- unbelievable weekend of lacrosse. Three out of the four games go into overtime. Uh, top four teams all advancing to East Hartford. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get into those games on Friday when we have our final four preview show, our last preview show of the season. Um, but I, I, I don't think that lacrosse fans could ask for any more. And like, yeah, like there, it'd be nice if the Ivies were in there. Like it was, it was such a ridiculous weekend that I can't even imagine how much more insane it would have been if the Ivies were involved. Um, but Again, beggars beggars can't be choosers. It's you know an an unbelievable season that like that weekend right there. Um, that this weekend was the payoff. So who knows how the final four is going to be? Um, four amazing teams, obviously. So I, I'd I'd imagine that these last three games of the season will be wild. Um, but 
even if the final four is, is like a couple blowouts, like this weekend alone was worth like the entire season. Agreed. hundred percent. Um, and real quick, just a, a quick shout out. I uh, didn't get a chance to watch many of these games. I'll, I'll be honest, but um, you know, the, the weekends, the weekends are busy and, and there's, you know, there was a lot going on. So, uh, but UNC Northwestern Syracuse and Boston college all heading to the final four uh, in the uh, women's side of the game. Uh, so UNC, they've just been a wagon all season long. Northwestern looking to get back to their dominance that they had when they were winning like 50 national championships in a row. Gary Gate has the ladies of Cuse back in the final four and uh, Boston college. I, what, what more can you say about Charlotte North? Um, I I'd say for as exciting as this weekend was in the men's side of the game, um, Charlotte North's highlight reel at the end of the season will still be the one that everyone should be watching uh, to kind of show what 2021 was in the year of college lacrosse. Uh, so I don't know. My, my money's on BC on that one. I'm, I'm never going to bet against Charlotte North. Um, you, you guys got a favorite that you'll be rooting for in that final four? I mean, based on what I've seen from Charlotte North, it's, it's Charlotte North all the way. I think if there's one player who can will their team to the championship, it would be her. So um, I, I know that UNC, I mean, it would be sweet for UNC to be there too. So either of those teams I'm all in on. Uh, you know, I like Charlotte North's fun to watch, but I, I can't go, I can't agree with both of you. There has to be someone, an outlier. So I'm going to go with Cuse. Um, I have a friend from high school on the team, so I'm rooting for her. Close out her college career with a national championship would be cool. But, uh, if not, I think the storyline of UNC women's and UNC men's both finish the season number one and both win. That would kind of rock. That would be kind of cool. Did, did, did they both win in 2016? I know that they were both – I know they were, they were both, like, in the same situation. Yeah. But I, don't, I, I don't think the girls finished it off. Yeah, and then I, th- I think that the, maybe the next year both Maryland men's and women's won. Could be wrong about that. Um, actually, you know what? But before we close it out, we, we've got four teams left on the men's side. So I, we'll get into the previews on Friday. But after this weekend, yeah, who's, your, who, who's your national champion? Dukes? Uh, back check two. UNC, won, they both won in 20. Yeah, they did. Okay. I was yeah. just about to say they did, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was in Chester. It was at Talent Energy. Um, uh, you know, I... I think it's gonna. I think that. I think it's gonna be Virginia. I think they're gonna be. It's gonna be. I have. I have takes. I have takes. How much time do you guys have? I have takes. <laughs> I, I mean, hot at, hot at the right yeah. time. That's a pretty good take. If uh, take take all the takes that you have right now and just give us the the hottest one. Yeah, I I think they Duke by five. <laughs> here's the thing scorching kyle long has a has a history of beating michael sowers in oh, the really? sport, in the sport of lacrosse so um no i think but, maryland will i think that maryland will probably beat duke i think that i think it's gonna be virginia maryland i think it's just like because no one expecting it so that's what we'll get okay 
All right. I, I mean, I, I'm down with that. I think UNC, but for, I would love. I mean, Virginia doing it again. I don't see. I, I don't see. I honestly, at this point, any of the four teams could take it, which is such a terrible, like, lukewarm take. But like, it's not. It's not wrong. Um, I think after this weekend, after this weekend, I'd say I'd say probably Duke, which I hate. But I like Dukes' take, though. I do. Hot at the right time. UVA hot at the right time. I like it a lot. So let's see. Let's see. All right. Um, I'm going to keep riding the Terps. But, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be uh, quite the battle. Memorial Day weekend, East Hartford. Pretty sure if you guys are planning on heading up there next weekend, uh, I, I, I don't know. We, we might – this might be breaking news confirming on the pod, but uh, you might be able to run into Dukes while you're up there in East Hartford. Dukes, will you be there? Boots on the yeah, ground. All mm-hmm. right. So if you guys are planning on heading to East Hartford, uh, you can go and, and tell Dukes all about how wrong he was on his Notre Dame by five take. Uh, and in the meantime, we'll be keeping it low to high to the day we die. We out. Saying it was your fault Although you could have done more Oh, you're so naive Yes, so How could this be done With such a smiling sweetheart Oh, and your sweet and pretty face In such an ugly way Something so beautiful Oh, that every time I look inside I know she knows that I'm not fond of asking True or false it may be Or she's still out to get me And I know she knows that I'm not fond of asking True or false it may be She's still out to get me